Hey everybody, this is Marn. What you are about to hear is a episode that is a part of a pilot season of a horror book club podcast that was recorded in the winter of 2019-2020, with the last episode being recorded literally right before quarantine uh, went into effect. That's just some context for the pilot season of Dead Letter Society. After this season airs, it will be back with a slightly different different format, but until then, enjoy! Society, a horror book club podcast. I'm Marn, your spooky host, and here is where I would usually say the thing about uh, reading novels and short stories with a friend, but this week uh, Andrew and I picked out a book and we both read the book and then Andrew like kicked down the door to my spooky library. I was like, Marn, you know how you almost got a music degree in college? Let's talk about a musical. <laughs> <laughs> We both read a book, and then we were like, this is fine. This is <laughs> aggressively fine. What if we Andrew- did something else? <laughs> Andrew's like, fuck your book club. <laughs> you, said we could, can- <laughs> you said we could do movies and stuff. Andrew came into my cabin in the woods and threw that book on the ground and spit on it. <laughs> <laughs> we're out here in the woods. Marn has your internet connection. Let's talk about an internet musical. (laughs) So this week we're going to be talking about uh, Star Kids Musical, the guy who did like musicals. Didn't like, didn't like, didn't like him at all. Didn't like, didn't like, didn't like him at all. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty good. And as we do with books, I will so too do with this musical. Content warnings for the guy who did like musicals include... Body horror, stage gore, mind control, gun violence. Uh, probably more stuff than that. People get poisoned. Uh, I think, yeah. <laughs> Needles, there's a syringe at one point. Musical theater. Yes. Um, <laughs> cheating, I think that's things that people are sensitive to. I don't know how deep you go into content warnings. I try to go pretty deep, but I always inevitably forget some and have to bring it up like halfway through the episode. <laughs> uh, police brutality, but in a oh, way yes. that's less than the... It's in a musical number, and it's not direct, I guess is how I would put it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And... I think that that's it. And as per usual, we might not touch on all of these things in detail in talking about the musical, but if you uh, listen to this podcast and you haven't watched it for whatever reason and you're like, boy, that sounds like something I would like to watch, just uh, be be wary that those things are in there. Be safe, be smart, beware. Uh, What happens in The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals, Andrew? (laughs) (laughs) Um, What am I doing? Am I giving a brief overview? Am I doing a full... Are we doing a full synopsis? What are we what are we doing here? 
So what I like to do is give a brief overview of the characters in the plot, and then we can kind of dig into it from whatever angle you want and talk about it. Okay. Well then, yeah, the the guy who didn't like musicals. It's a 2018 musical. Uh, it's kind of a <laughs> horror comedy by Starkid, uh, Team Starkid, who put it up on YouTube. It is a show about uh, Paul, the titular guy who doesn't like musicals, uh, who lives in the town called Hatchetfield. He's got a crush and a barista. He's got a boring office job where he has to deliver reports day in, day out. And the biggest thing about him is that he doesn't like musicals in a town that seems to have an economy entirely based on musical theater. But one day, uh, as he's going home from work, a meteor lands in the local theater. And when he wakes up the next morning, the town around him seems to be slowly turning into uh, a musical, almost entirely. It's kind of an invasion of the body stature style plot, uh, except it's about uh, musicals and people getting infected with a virus that makes them want to sing and join together. It's basically that episode of Community about the Glee Club. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's basically that, but in a two-hour musical on YouTube that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, along the way, <laughs> he and his co-workers team up to try and take down an alien parasite that is uh, melding everyone together into a musical amalgam. And it definitely doesn't end as happily as the episode of Community does. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on what point of view you're looking from, Mar. Well, okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a horror musical. Yeah, it's a it's a horror musical. I would say it leans it leans more on the comedy and obviously the musical elements than the horror elements but it's definitely a horror driven show if you think about the implications it, the horror kind of comes through in um they do a surprising amount of stage gore um in like zombie movie style like ripping people's guts out um it's all very like it's not like realistic it's pretty crude uh stage stuff but it's funny but yeah it's a kind of a half zombie thing half body snatchers thing that's all about uh, the scary world of musical theater. Yeah, I remember when I watched it for the first time, I definitely thought it was going to be more of a comedy. And then, like, someone gets their intestines pulled out. And I was like, <laughs> okay, all right. I get I get you. I, I understand. I see where we're going with this. Yeah, uh, Star Kids started as, like, doing, let's say, like, PG-13 Harry Potter parody stuff. They did the uh, Very Potter musical and sequel and such, and then they did, like, a Disney parody and a Star Wars parody thing. Um, and then they were like, hey, we got a new show that's kind of an original thing. It's called The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals. I was like, all right, we'll give it a shot. And I was like, oh, you went a horror a horror route, huh? I I like it a lot. It's a, it's a lot of fun and a very funny show. Apparently, uh, one of the guys, like, behind star kid who writes most of the musicals is like yeah i think i kind of just like want to write horror musicals from now on like i'm not really interested in doing parodies anymore and people are really angry about it <laughs> see i'm not part of the i don't know i i'm a fan of star kid but i wouldn't say i'm part of the fandom like it's kind of weird looking at some of the comments and being like oh these people know like all of these actors like by name can list every role that they've done in every show and like are very into like ah this is just like in the other musical that they did seven years ago where they did this and it's like all right 
Maybe calm down a bit, but <laughs> um, I'd say I'm a fan, but not part of a fandom. But I, I like this direction that they took with it. I know that they just put out a new uh, a new play called uh, Black Friday that was kind of the same horror vein. Um, I wasn't super into that one, but I like this one a whole lot. I like the premise that all of their horror musicals uh, are going to or have so far take place in the same town. Uh, and they just, like, don't explain the continuity errors of, like, <laughs> well, everyone dies at the end of this one, but they're fine in the next one. Yeah, I I re-found this one because the new one came out, and I watched it, and I was like, I, I don't know, at the first I was like, why are people cheering that, like, these two people are on stage? Because, like, one of the things about these shows is that people cheer a lot in the audience a lot more than they do if you just, like... I don't know, if you go see, I don't know, Mamma Mia at your local theater, like, <laughs> people aren't gonna, like, cheer every time someone walks on stage, you know? This, they really benefit, I think, from having this, like, devoted follower base that, like, is very into going to these shows and, like, being able to see it in person is kind of an event because they're so big on YouTube that it's almost a YouTuber musical. But, like... I was like, why are they cheer? Are they just cheering because they like the actors that are here? Like, it's very odd that they're cheering. And I didn't realize until, like, halfway through when a specific character shows up, I was like, oh, is this a sequel? I thought that yeah. guy died in the last one. Hold on. Yeah. What happened? And then I didn't realize it's, like, an alternate timeline thing. Like, it's same location, some similar characters, but, like, a different thing going on, which is... It's cool. I like the concept, but I it, missed a lot of that on the first watch because I was like, I don't remember any of the old characters or what's going on. But um, but this one being the first one is perfect. Just jump back into it. You're not going to miss anything. Yeah. This one doesn't <laughs> suffer from a lot of those issues, which I think is a benefit. I agree. <laughs> I think that this is a good musical, uncontroversial opinion. <laughs> but no, uh, I was I was rewatching it, and one of the the things that really struck me the first time I watched it is so. First of all, there aren't a lot of horror musicals in the world. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're aware of this, but there aren't. I I, I yeah, I had a hunch. I could probably only name like. Less than five, maybe? I think, maybe five? I was going to say, what do I know of? There's Little Shop of Horrors, right? Like, that's kind of a horror, yeah. but the plan... Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Sweeney Todd, probably? Sweeney Todd is her, yeah. Um, There's the two Star Kid musicals. Yeah, the two Star Kid musicals. Phantom of the Opera, maybe? I don't know if I would say Phantom of the Opera is a horror musical. <laughs> I haven't seen it, so I'm talking entirely out of my ass. But I do know that it's Phantom about a... The opera. It's a spooky man that lives under an opera and sneaks out and kidnaps people, right? That's horror. It's not really <laughs> horror? <laughs> I'm, I'm stretching because I don't know of any other real horror musicals. Like, I guess it's a... It's an... It's an opera... <laughs> Oh, it's a uh, horror opera, then. <laughs> yeah, the other ones I could think of was uh, Repo the Genetic Opera. And, um... Okay, yeah. Probably there are more. Oh, Phantom of the Paradise, but that's also just Phantom of the Opera. And, um... There's one that, like, just came out 
like last year that's like a zombie apocalypse musical but i haven't watched it but apparently it's good okay there's also like the people who made repo the genetic opera made two other musicals that are about like heaven and hell having a war cool what are those uh the devil's carnival and i forget what the other one is but i think it's just like the devil's carnival with like another caption (laughs) gotcha are there places you can watch those or do they suffer from the same fate that like 90 percent of broadway stuff does um well they were movies so i assume they're streaming somewhere okay i know they used to be on hulu but maybe not anymore gotcha (laughs) oh and there's a beetlejuice musical now i forgot oh right it's actually good it's definitely more of a comedy than a horror, <laughs> as with, like, the actual movie Beetlejuice. Yeah, that, that checks out. That's how I like it. Yeah. So, yeah, not a lot of horror musicals. The thing that struck me about this one is that it uses the structure of, like, a, a very standard musical, mm-hmm. but it is still a horror musical. Yeah, I, I love that about this. The show as a whole... um just like takes from every kind of musical you would find and has like your basic style of numbers that become about the type of musical they are if that makes mm-hmm. sense that's not a good way of wording that sentence do you mind if i if i read something from the very prestigious site tv tropes that i found today while doing some research basically something that nick lang who uh, was the writer of the the writer of the show and who he directed i think yeah, Nick Lang yeah. directed. Uh, Nick and Matt Lang write most of the uh, stuff that they do, but uh, Nick directed this one specifically. Quoting from TV Tropes, uh, Nick Lang has revealed that the whole concept of this show was built around the idea of three meta songs poking fun at musical cliches. An opening chorus that sounds like the typical bragging theme tune, but turns it into a The Hero Sucks song simply because the hero doesn't like musicals. An inverted I Want song about how the speaker wants someone else to tell him what they want and a I'm Great song uh, that explains the concept of the 11 o'clock number and the showstopper that openly describes themselves as a show-stopping number. Yeah. And then later on it also says, uh, La-di-da-day continues the trend to a lesser extent, being an irrelevant act opener about the fact that it's an irrelevant act opener, i.e. Mm-hmm. bystanders are singing about how they find themselves singing for no reason. And yeah, that's one of my favorite things about the show is that on a meta level, it's a, it goes through the beats that you'd find in a typical, like, I don't know, if you're going to write the world's most generic musical, like, here are the beats. If you open how to write screen, how to write uh, musicals for dummies, like, these are the beats it'll tell you you need to hit. And it's very, it's cool how this musical uses those tropes to, like, reference themselves rather than just being a standalone number of its own to heighten the fact that it's about the world turning into a musical and how scary that is. Oh, it's so good. And it even ends with like a, like a, a triumphant, like everything's fine. Like final number, because it's like, yeah, the hive mind won. So of course everything's fine. Yeah. And it's a classic, um, like the big, like uh, a reprise medley song where it's like, Hey, we're going to sing every song that's happened so far about how great everything is now. But the reason everything is so great is because they won. It's so good. (laughs) It's, but yeah, those songs, I think I think that when I was first listening to it, I, I was like, okay, it's kind of an alright musical. And then I was like, oh, this like this guy singing about 
how he wants the other guy to want things, which is a very like the the what I want song is like the thing that starts a musical in act one it's like the third song you'll get about why you should care about the main character and the one in this musical is literally just like the guy's boss a saying that what he wants is to be choked during sex but b saying that what he really wants is for the main character to give him a reason to give a shit about him it's great mm-hmm. <laughs> apparently the kind of like in-universe opening number was supposed to be like a parody of those musical songs that just like the chorus is just like a nonsense word that they made up for the song <laughs> like shapoopy yeah <laughs> but, they, but they like they ended up making it kind of like less silly than they were going for <laughs> it's, a, it's such a good musical yeah the musical is so good it's very tightly written um like i, I got beef with little bits here and there but like beef beef sounds way too strong um but like it's just a very cool tightly written musical that's about how scary musicals are (laughs) and if you're like me you said that you almost got a music degree but i i always did i uh was an actor in high school i did like musical theater i was in bye bye birdie actually you'll love this uh i was in a um as a side note i was in a musical called how y'all like it Oh my god. Which is a Shakespeare in the Bluegrass uh, musical rendition of As You Like It. Oh my god. It was bad. Yeah, I was gonna say, how did that go? <laughs> it was real bad. Uh, I have a script still. Uh, it's up in my room. I'm gonna get it framed one of these days, because it is a terrible script. <laughs> god. Also, like... This is a musical where every single song is a villain song. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Which rules. Yeah, every every song, by nature of being a song, means that it's about the villains. Um, mm-hmm. mine, yeah, like, except for the part where they sing Moana to prove that they're not, uh, <laughs> they're not super villains. But it's all, it's all about how, like, oh shit, we've been infected. Like, if you're singing, you're bad. And it's it's great. Every song has this weird sinister quality to it by nature of being a song. It's perfect. It's so good. I was just thinking today about how like this is the only musical where you get upset when the characters start singing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh not to spoil the end of the movie, but we kind of already did said so that it ended poorly. You get a lot of moments where like in any musical, you get, like, people are talking, and there's a buildup of mm-hmm. background music. And, like, in a lot of scenes, there's a buildup of background music before a character on screen literally, like, cuts it off. Like, says something that just shuts down, um, you know, says something about, like, how I'm not gonna sing about this, and the the band shuts down. But then, like, in the very end, it's like, you're building to this heartfelt moment, and it's like, you can even hear... In this recorded thing, the audience is like, oh shit, like this great thing is happening. And then like the music swells and like the guy starts singing and you can, there's a palpable moment where you can tell the audience is like, oh wait, fuck, this is bad. The fact that we're building to a song is bad. I should know that by now. I've been listening to this whole musical, but I somehow fell for it again. It's such a good experience and a cool way to go through a musical as a whole. Yeah. Oh God, it's so good because... Because it's like every time a character who you've like seen not be infected and then they come back later, like every time one of them starts singing, it's just like mm-hmm. they just like pull the rug out from under you. Yeah. 
because you're just like oh thank god this character is back and it's like oh fuck like no they just held a high note like damn it <laughs> i liked that guy <laughs> and they even get like they even get like the extra rug pull where like the professor isn't infected <laughs> <laughs> so that's the best scene in the whole musical um, oh my god yeah where he you get the thing that you get in a lot of shows like this where it's like the professor character is like you know what you know maybe it would be better if we went and joined the hive mind you know that would end strife that would end problems what has humankind ever really done and to do that, he's like, hey, turns out I've been a, like, before I got into science, I was always a fan of musical theater, and I've been writing a musical, so let me play what I've written. And it's, it is every musical my grandfather has tried to get me to go see. <laughs> it so is good. the most generically Jersey Boys-y, like, we're getting the gang together to go put on a show musical called, in the okay, world so it's called work it's boys. called working boys <laughs> and the best rug pull is that like the whole time it's doing your kind of generic audio about like how you know i just it's five o'clock i gotta can't wait to get back to putting the band together and doing this again but it reveals that like it's been a week since they've seen each other like <laughs> but it's i <laughs> I think about working boys every day of my life. <laughs> did you know they're apparently they like they did like a Kickstarter for uh Black Friday and one of the the like stretch goals was to make like a working boys short film. God. <laughs> so they're making it <laughs> I just, I think about the lyric business calls and I'm up to my ass and shit every single day. <laughs> There's a line delivery where he goes, you know, ring, ring. I answer the telephone. It's like, oh, I've been so, I've been busy with business. <laughs> and the way that he says it is the most detested, dejected way that I've ever heard. It's great. Um, the actor here, Robert Mannion, is so good. Because he goes immediately between, like, a very, like, kind of baritone professor who's very like a hammy overly acted character who's my favorite in the whole show and then goes into like this like nasally tenor when he's doing the parts from this thing and like and it's 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 like the actor has like de-aged 15 years as he's singing it's incredible uh like shout out to this guy during this entire scene who's acting like He's doing a meta musical about the fact that the song that he wrote would be a real showstopper for another musical. And then in the middle of it, he's going to show you a song from the musical that he wrote as it intersperses back and forth between like their mm-hmm. current situation, which is not yet a musical, but it's about to become a musical in the musical. It's incredible. Uh, did, you, did you know that Robert Mannion is British and is doing an American accent the entire time as well? Are you kidding me? I'm not. I found this out like yesterday. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I like looked up a video of him like on his personal YouTube channel. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's incredible. Because um, he spends the also- whole show talking in this great, you know... I'm the professor. I'm up to my up to my ass and shit, trying to understand what this blue shit is. 
Also, he cares so much about his Alexa unit. His one companion. <laughs> Apparently he had a backstory, like the professor had a backstory that was so upsetting that they had to cut it out of the show. Oh no. <laughs> I'm just now learning this on TV Tropes. Oh shit, what was it? Does it say? Yeah, apparently he was a doctor working as part of a team with his old college friends investigating deadly diseases in South America and watched all of his friends catch the disease and die horribly. Jesus. And all of the and all of the characters in work and voice are named after his dead friends. Oh my god. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Oh. Ugh. This this musical also does a, a pretty cool thing where it, um, it essentially, like, introduces all of these unlikely allies to the characters, and you, like, get to know and like them, and then they inevitably, like, get infected and come back as enemies yeah like it's a it's a it's a zombie story through and through which means that if you're ever introduced to a character you're only gonna ever see them come back as a zombie but you get like uh general magnamare is one of my favorite characters that they oh he's so good. introduced in this show to the point where like it, the character stuck out so much that when i was watching uh black friday not knowing they were in the same universe i was like is that mm-hmm. is that the same guy that that's the person i was talking about earlier where i was like oh didn't he die in the last musical like isn't that the dude but he's a character that gets one scene in this show and it's phenomenal the the actor's great um the actor uh jeff blim um who's in other scenes in the show everyone in the show there's like seven people mm-hmm. eight i think and they're all like it's a musical they're all doing um clothing changes and stuff like that to play different characters but like they all do a good three or four characters as the course of the show uh plays out which is really cool but um that actor wrote the music and lyrics for the show as well yeah um also apparently uh there was one show where the actress who played emma was uh like out or sick or something and nick lang played emma yeah the director's like i guess i'm doing it Which video of that one was out there? <laughs> oh, me too. It's probably out there somewhere. I'm sure someone's got a bootleg something or other. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's also really interesting because it does hit all of the points that like a zombie movie would hit where it's like, oh yeah, these people die and they come back as zombies and now like the military is here, but you can't trust the military anymore. Right. But it but it also hits all of the like musical points that you would expect of just like a straight musical yeah you get the like yeah like you get the beat of like you know one of the characters charlotte um she's worried about her husband they meet um her husband early on in the movie and then like discover that he's been bitten slash he's a musician now in a song called yeah we're cops Uh, i I don't know i don't know if that's actually what it's called but it's show me your hands (laughs) show me your jazz hands which is real funny (laughs) <laughs> just because we're cops yeah we're cops and we make sense <laughs> <laughs> but then like he gets hurt early on and they're like oh we need to keep him with us and 
take him safe. And it's the same beats as any zombie movie where it's like the person's been infected but hasn't told everyone. Like it's Mm -hmm. that same basic thing as it plays out, except it's about musicals. And it's also like into a like rekindling the relationship song because their relationship has not been good up to this point. Like it's it's such a smartly written musical. It's so good. It's it's very like clearly written by people who understand and love musicals a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And horror like and zombie and, movies. Yes, and, like it's and zombie movies. <laughs> I really like the second to last song where Paul is the only person still left like alive in the town. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to like stop from joining into the chorus. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, there's a really cool moment in it. I took a note where it it's a song about, like, everyone around him is like, we know you have a song in you. You need to let it out. And he's, like, fighting against it. But then it, like, it does that thing that you see a lot in musical theater where, like, the world around you dims and then, like, the spotlight mm-hmm. goes in on the character to show that, like, this isn't happening in real time anymore. This is an internal monologue as he sings to himself but it's like a it's like ah oh, fuck the fact that he's like having this moment and singing to himself means that yeah. they've won like <laughs> it means that he's bitten if you want to use zombie terminology like it it means that he's lost but he also does a really good job of like separating his facial expressions and voice so that he's kind of singing and talking as two different people like yeah, infected Paul and normal Paul, but it's and it, it he does an incredible job of singing and showing that like both sides are there duking it out inside. But like the fact that it's even happening means it's like in a zombie movie where someone's fighting the infection, but you know they're lost. Like that's where it yeah. is there. Um, it's such a good scene, such a cool moment. I wasn't super blown away by. Paul's acting throughout the entire show but that final scene he really nails it um, and does an incredible job with it as just like the guy trying so hard not to be not to become a zombie (laughs) yeah the stuff he does with his like face and body in the in that song are it's like bonkers yeah it's it really made me like the the whole time I I had kind of thought like oh I wonder if like so I I will say like I don't want to insult him but like um jeff blim who plays he plays sam in the musical and general magnamara he as an actor like doesn't have the same like high range as a lot of the other people in the show and i know Mm -hmm. that he said that like to me it's funny to cast myself in roles where i have to sing above where i can for comedic (laughs) effect and that happens with his characters a lot like his falsetto is not great but it's funny uh so he gets there but i thought i was kind of under the impression that oh maybe paul's actor john madison maybe he's the same way where like oh they're like this guy's not great at you know not very great at music and singing but like a good actor maybe that's why they cast him in this role but like nope that last scene he fucking nails it and knocks it out of the park like oh they got the best guy that they like hid in one role so he (laughs) could crush it when he needed to Uh uh-huh it's also really interesting because you can hear in the big be- in like when he first starts singing that he's like not warmed up at all because he has not been singing for the entire show. Yeah, exactly. But it's so good, and that's and that's a perfect thing to have in the like. That's what you want. You you don't want you don't want that character coming out and hitting, you know, high C immediately. You want him to be like ah, mm-hmm. as it comes out. It's perfect. It's such a good. It's so good. 
Also, the choreography in the show is good. Starkid mm-hmm. has, like, good choreographers. I don't know who their choreographer is, but whoever it is, they're good. Um, I meant to take a look. I know that, um, so I know that uh, Lauren Lopez is listed in the credits. She plays uh, Emma in the show, and she's listed as additional choreography. I'm looking at the credits right now, and I have a Wix ad popping up. Get out of my face, guy with a beard. Say scenic design is by um, where's this guy? Uh, Corey Lubowitz, who I know does a lot of their stuff. Um, mm. and their settings usually good. I'm yeah, Starkin does really good like minimal set design. Yeah, uh, James Tolbert is the person's name who does choreography okay. with additional choreography by Lauren Lopez. Um, but yeah, they have they they are able to work. I know in this musical they. It's filmed a little differently from their other shows um, mm-hmm. in that it, it features a lot of like close-ups on characters and stuff like that. Um, and that's because they were in like a smaller black box style theater to do this one. So they wanted to like replicate that feel in the camera too and not just show the whole stage since it's so small. They wanted that like intimate up-close experience that you get with that kind of theater in the camera moments. But like... The fact that they were able to do so much with the smaller space and make it look like a big musical at parts that it needed to is just incredible. Like, they did a phenomenal job setting it and choreographing the dance numbers and making it feel choreographed in a way that, like, made sense in the universe. I yeah. just think that they did a really great job with it. It's it's very cool that all of the music and dancing in this is diegetic. Like, there's not like a single instance I don't well there's a couple but there's not like a single instance of no yeah there's not a single instance of anybody singing anything in this musical that's not like what's happening in real life yeah like it's one of those things I could see like Paul singing to himself at the end I could see that kind of being it but I could also see like in a meta sense, like, the world around him is like, ah, yes, we need to stop singing to let him have his internal mm-hmm. monologue now. Like, even though, you know, like, the, there's a, there's a, um, there's an old sitcom called Police Squad that inspired the Naked Gun movies, but every episode it ended with a, uh, like, a police freeze frame, except to do that, the characters would all just, like, freeze in place. <laughs> Um, as the credits rolled, so you'd see things like a tie would blow in the breeze or something like that, but all the characters are standing there for, like, two minutes as the credits roll. It's very funny. But, like, that's... I could see, like, in the universe, all of these characters are like, ah, yeah, now's the time that we need to slow down and stop so that Paul gets his internal monologue. In the same way that, like, for the second song, La-di-da-day, at the very end, they have their big, like final ah, moment and then they all go lights down and then everyone goes ah oh, fuck like <laughs> i got a quick change move i gotta move i gotta change like any <laughs> like a musical uh like the actors do when the scene ends so I, yeah it's all like happening in universe it's so cool you're right oh and then at the end emma like goes and talks to the audience and like breaks the fourth wall yeah wild. she's like someone help me why are you all clapping this is terrible are you with them like stop it <laughs> someone give me a phone call the cops like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> apparently some people did uh give lauren lopez their phones when she like asked you for her phones but they never unlocked them <laughs> 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 uh, 
Uh, God, that final that final scene is still incredible. Oh, it's so good. It's so spooky. When he just Emma, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like ah fuck. <laughs> They got him. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's so oh, it good. sucks so bad. I don't know that we talked in detail about what happens at the end, but uh, you find out that Emma, um, like, is in witness protection and like got away, and they like imply that Paul also got away, but he like comes on stage and starts singing like the closing number of the musical. Yeah, and it's like, and it's that's what I was talking about earlier. We were like, oh, cool, they're doing one last one last song, and then it's like, oh fuck no never mind they've told me what one last song means if they're doing one last song it means they lost him fuck <laughs> every time like a character starts singing unexpectedly in this musical and stuff you're like oh yay another song you're like oh no <laughs> not another song like when they're they're in like the military helicopter the helicopter pilot starts singing and you're like oh fuck <laughs> it's so good I don't know how much we should or shouldn't spoil about this show. I feel like we need to put a disclaimer up top. It's like, hey, go watch this because it's incredible. You want to see it blind. Go do it. <laughs> yeah, I, gener- I generally kind of tend to go into these episodes assuming that people have already read the thing. So, <laughs> <sighs> so good. I will say on the rewatch, um, there's a part where uh, General McNamara, my second favorite character of this whole show, um, who's a military general who believes in the strength of love and the human heart and so he's he's like look i believe in you you don't seem like you've been infected if you want to join my helicopter you can he's like well i gotta go back for my friend and he's like well friends don't move me is there a chance at anything more with these friend with this friend and he's like yeah. well i i hope so and there's like that works for me like <laughs> in that case <laughs> I'm authorizing you to use my firearm. Like, <laughs> there's a scene where he's like, we got to synchronize our watches. And he goes, oh, it's I only have an iPhone. And he just chucks it across the room and yells, time is a precious thread in the fabric of the universe. It deserves its own tool of measurement. And that almost convinced me to go out and buy a watch. <laughs> oh yeah, the part where he just fucking chucks his photos <laughs> I also really like when uh when when Paul gets to the theater, they uh, they like run out of like people that he knows in the show because he like doesn't have any friends. He's <laughs> like, oh, it's my two coworkers and my boss and Emma's boss. <laughs> like, that's right, Paul. All your friends are here. <laughs> and Greenpeace girl who like he actively fought in the beginning of the show. <laughs> <laughs> this show is so good <laughs> i i feel like it's kind of a response to like people making very like edgy parodies about like oh like if you if you knew you were in a musical it would be scary type media and it's like yeah and that's actually very interesting yeah like, if you do it right he's like hey like yeah when people are like how come everyone's singing it's like oh the reason that everyone's singing is sinister like here we go let's do this i do love there's a part in um there's i looked at the the timelines that these things were released to see which one came first mm-hmm. there's a part in the song um about 
being cops where one of them like sings as the siren in the background oh yeah and they say like we 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 right mm-hmm. it's just the intro to sicko mode by travis scott and drake oh my god and i was like listening to that now i was like hold on which of these did it first and for a second, I was like, ah, Travis Scott did it before them. Maybe they took it. But then I realized the show for this aired on Halloween. It was released around Christmas, which means that they did it first. <laughs> so, so I'm going to assume that Travis Scott is stealing from Starkid. <laughs> That's so funny. The cops are going sicko mode. God. Oh... Do we want to get into Black Friday at least a, a little bit? Uh, oh, I, I want to point out one last thing that I didn't realize until I was watching it uh, today and typing out uh-huh. notes because uh, I was writing oh, about boy. characters. Oh, yeah. What else is in your notes? I know you, you rewatched it and, and took notes. I like also just rewatched it, but I didn't take notes. So I've been I've been watching this all weekend. Just ever since I saw Black Friday, I was like, let's go back and rewatch this. And I was like, you know, this musical fucking slaps. Let's do that again. Let's put this on in the background while I'm doing other stuff. So I've watched this a good four or five times now. Uh, I didn't realize until I was writing out notes um, that Paul's co-workers are named Bill and Ted. Yeah. I didn't. I, I just didn't realize that like, oh, Bill and Ted, excellent adventure. Yeah. That being said, the scene where they all pop out of trash cans is one of the funniest scenes in the show. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's really good. I I also really like the scene where they're like straight up walking like over the audience. Yeah. <laughs> um for a horror musical this has a lot of really good slapstick. It's very funny. Yeah, it's yeah, like it's funny enough that I watch it. So <laughs> like to offset the horror. That sounds like I only watch the funniest stuff. I don't mean it like that. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's funny enough to offset any horror elements. Um, I would definitely recommend checking this out to everyone. What other things do I have in the notes? In the scene where they ha- where Sam is tied to a chair, uh, Sam has a lot of great physicality, even though he's tied to a chair during the song. Like oh, he's yeah. doing like chair dancing, but like he's also like kind chair. of moving around the room, despite the fact that he's like his hands are tied behind his back and he's attached to a chair, and he's like. Reaching out with his legs and grabbing a hold of someone to, like, sing with slash to them. Like, it's surprisingly physical for a song done by a guy tied to a chair. It's incredible how much they're able to get out of that scene. Jeff Blim just has really good stage presence, I think. He does. Yeah, I, yeah. I really like... I, so until I I uh, I rewatched a bunch of Star Kid shows recently, I didn't realize that he also plays Aladdin in the one like he, in the Twisted, the show that they did that's a parody of Aladdin. He did. Uh, Twisted is really great for people out there. Go <laughs> watch that one too. Twisted it really good. it's so good. Um, it's He's... basically Wicked except about Jafar from Aladdin. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> This is just like, what if Aladdin was a sociopath? <laughs> it's just like, is the context for Aladdin different if we just like double his age? So it's like, yeah. now instead of like a teenage street rat, he's just 35. And it's like, oh, like. <laughs> he like killed his parents. Yeah, like it's. 
And I, the way that you're saying that, there's like a bad, edgy, like shitty version of what you're describing, but it's incredible. It's so funny and so good. Um, they have a whole song about the like the pretend uh how people are always like oh there's like subliminal messages in Disney movies trying to get trying to get teenagers to have sex like the star spell sex and the tower looks like a dong like there's like a there's a reference to that in the play that's incredible the whole show's great oh it's so good yeah spoiler alert Mm. uh Star Kid is just good check out their (laughs) musicals Star Kid is just good yeah I'm trying to think. Yeah, he's yeah he's great in that. He I love him in everything that he's shown up in. I think there was something else that I remember seeing in my notes that I wanted to mention here. Uh, show stopping number still the best scene in the musical. It's still good. Um, Absolutely. There's like a cool thing that they do with that that I think you were kind of talking about with like the background music where like a lot of the the characters have like little piano let motifs uh-huh. in the background music that like eventually become their songs when they get turned. Yeah, it's it's so good. Uh, it turns out they know what they're doing when it comes to to writing music. <laughs> like the uh like the the military has like a let motif that eventually becomes their song and then it comes back in Black Friday when Magnamara like whenever Magnamara shows up it's just like oh, his little really? let motif. Uh-huh. I didn't I didn't catch that. I haven't gone back and rewatched Black Friday. There's like a little it's like a, just a little bit it, it's like a little piano riff from uh the song that the that Magnamara and the military sing after they get like assimilated or whatever um that shows up basically whenever he uh walks on stage in either show. Huh. So you like you were originally associated with like, oh, Magnamara, good, and then when they come back the last time, it's like, oh no, actually sinister. You're like, oh good, good Magnamara is back. And it's like, oh no, Magnamara bad now. Um, <laughs> still speaking of him, I think it's very funny. Pretty much every song involving him ends with him getting interrupted oh, yeah. in the final note because he's getting hit or shot. Um, yeah. I, I, when I was first watching, I was like, huh, there's a lot of songs here that end with like a gunshot cutting off the last note. And then I realized, oh, it's just all of the songs involving him. huh? <laughs> I like how for, for some of the, the gunshots, they have like actual gunshot effects. And then sometimes the military people are like, we're the military. Bam, bam, bam. bam, bam. bam. <laughs> grenade, grenade. <laughs> yeah, we're the army. <laughs> and that's, that's. <laughs> That's even within the same scene, because it's the scene where uh, Alice shoots Bill with a shotgun, and then, like, two seconds later, the guy turns around and goes, blam, blam, blam. <laughs> uh, so good. We didn't even talk about the Alice thing, did we? <laughs> we didn't, no. Um, I think that's... I feel really bad, because I feel like um, the person that plays Alice, what is her name? Uh, Mariah Rose Faith has an incredible alto voice and she's incredible mm. in the songs that she's in, but she plays like two very minor characters that get two of like the, <laughs> like as a performer, she's very strong in those roles. Yeah. She, um, she was supposed to be one of the leads in black Friday apparently, but she <laughs> is doing like a touring Broadway production. So she had to drop out of the show. She's in either Heather's or mean girls. 
I think she's in Mean Girls. Mean Girls. Okay, I saw the. I saw the. Um, I I googled her today and saw the logo for it, or the like, not logo, but like the promotional images. That's like them standing around, and I was like, I know it's one of those two musicals, but I don't know which one. Yeah. Um. But um. No, she's she's really she's good. great. Yeah. Um. She and she crushes both songs she's in here. One of which is her like. One of them is like the least funny part in the entire show. Like it's a whole song that's like no jokes, no nothing. It's literally just like, "Hey, uh, you were my dad. You were supposed to protect me, and instead, I'm a zombie now. Uh, fuck off, dad." Like it's like, yeah. "Oh shit, okay." This one got real sad and real for a minute here. Yeah, it sucks because they like they go on this whole mission to like save Paul's coworker's daughter and they get there and like her and all of her friends are already infected. Mm-hmm. Classic zombie stuff. Yeah. You leave the safe house to go get someone, you die on the way. It's just how it goes. <laughs> I liked the joke where uh is it is it Bill who's Alice's dad? Yes. I like the joke where he's like okay with her having a girlfriend, but he doesn't like that her girlfriend is a stoner. He doesn't like he yeah he doesn't like his, her specific girlfriend. Yeah. It's like I just don't like Deb. Like, <laughs> why don't you date someone nice like Grace Chastity? <laughs> Apparently, their next uh, their next musical is called. It's in this Hatchetfield universe still, um, but it's called. Oh yeah, nerdy prudes. Nerdy must prudes die. must die. Yeah. Um, so people are like, I bet, and apparently, the name Grace Grace Chastity shows up in Black Friday. So people are like, I bet that's gonna be a character in this third one, because the name is <laughs> Grace Chastity is very good. But yeah, it's it's very funny. I I love him like caring about his daughter and how. I like the stuff with Bill because in the very beginning of the show, there's a very low stakes, like, he's like, hey, I want to try and reconnect with my daughter. Paul, you used mm-hmm. to babysit her. Like, would you be willing to come see Mamma Mia with us? And like, we'll hang out. It'll be fun. And he's like, nah, I don't like musicals. I don't want to see Mamma Mia. And then it's like, oh, like, you can make up for the fact that you weren't able to help him with his daughter now by like literally going to save her life, even if it fails. I thought that was a cool tie back thing later on in the show. And then Alice shoots him. Yeah, it's fucked up. <laughs> and then they do the hive mind, but they can never agree on what to say. Oh, God, that joke is so funny. <laughs> They're like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> that is, that's probably one of my favorite jokes in uh in in the musical where it's like the teen girl hive mind, but they can't like get on the same page about what they're <laughs> saying while they're talking in unison. <laughs> Like, complaining at each other while, like, holding a gun at the main character. Like... Yeah. (laughs) But then they're arguing in the same voice and the same words. They just can't agree on, like... They're like, we have... And then, like, one is, like, conquered. Trying to say, like, we've conquered many planets. We've traveled long distances. We've, like, consolidated so many cultures. And they just, like, go off on these. But they're like, wait, we need to keep going. What are you doing? We need to be on the same page. (laughs) But they're on the same page for all of that. It's so good. It's extra good because in the in the film version you can see one of the actresses like struggling not to break. <laughs> I think that's it in my notes. Other than America's Great Again is a little on the nose, but it's a good song. 
yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of torn about that one. <laughs> but yeah, musical good. Y'all should check it out. Yeah, musical good. I, uh, I like the actress who plays Charlotte. She's in like every single Starkin musical. Yeah, Jamie Lynn Beattie. She's really good. Um, she's very good. She's, yeah, never bad in any of these roles. Was she in Black Friday? I feel like she is. Um, she must be. Probably. Yeah, she played, um, she plays Sherman, doesn't she? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah. She also plays, she plays Ginny in the Harry Potter musical. Yeah. I think she's, her character archetypes are ones that usually don't hit me very well, but, like, she's very good at them, and she's got a phenomenal voice, and, like, yeah. is clearly talented, just, like, in an angle that I'm not usually super into, if that makes sense. Yeah. Her her song in uh in uh Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals is probably one of my favorites. Oh yeah. I just, I just like it. <laughs> <laughs> I just I really like the lyric, uh we're gonna kick your ass and then we're gonna fucking kick your ass. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it just gets me every single time. <laughs> I just love immediately after uh, that that song ends with her and Sam getting shot in the face. And then they're like, Professor, you shot Charlotte. And he's like, uh, I shot a charlatan. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite deliveries in the whole show. The best part is how he like pauses for laughter. <laughs> I also really like the uh, the fake out towards the beginning where um after Lottie Da Day uh Paul goes to work and uh he sees Emma singing and like panics but she's just like singing because she has to for her job. Yeah, I have in here uh it's one of my favorite deliveries in the whole show when he walks in and he's like Yeah He's just like Hello <laughs> His delivery in that entire scene kills me. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> We're like, Emma doesn't believe him yet, and he's just being like an absolutely unhinged freak. <laughs> Are you frightened? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this show's so good. I'm gonna watch this again after we hang up. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the really specific delivery when Emma comes on stage singing and he just goes no <laughs> it just consistently gets the biggest laugh from me <laughs> check it out it's great joey richter is also really good at it. i feel like we're going down the whole list of actors and being like oh x is really good but like yeah. everyone in this musical is really good yeah <laughs> uh let's see yeah uh john madison and paul very good lauren lopez is emma real good uh joey richter is ted so good 
Jamie Lampiti, uh, Corey Davis, Corey Doris as Bill, Robert Mannion as Higgins, uh, Mariah Rose Faith as Alice and Joey, and Jeff Bloom as Sam and Mc, Mc, Sam and McNamara, which is a phrase I apparently can't say out loud. Uh, they're all good. <laughs> Cast is great. Star Kid's good. Watch their shows. Star Kid is good. Joey Richter like doesn't get to sing as. Not as part of the ensemble of this, but he's still really good because he's a good comedic actor. Yeah, he's so good. I uh, I also I wrote a I love the part. I wrote a screenplay for him in college. Um, oh my god, really? Like I I took a screenwriting class and I was like, I need to like. Uh, one of the tips that I've always heard is like, write for a specific actor. Just like, getting a voice in your head that you want is a good way to like get a character's voice down and consolidate it. I think it works sometimes and better than others, but I basically wrote a character that I was like, how would Joey Richter deliver a line here? And then I wrote that out and I was like, okay, like here's my guy for this background scene. So Joey, if you're not doing anything and want to star in a very bad movie with a terrible <laughs> script, hit me up. Cause the part in it is perfect for you. I love the part where they're, they're talking about splitting up and Charlotte's like, well, let's go to my church. And he's like, no, Charlotte, I'm not going to die in your shitty Methodist church. I'm a Presbyterian. I'm not going to die in your dirty little Methodist church. <laughs> I've had that conversation with my fiance once or twice. So, Starkin is just good at adding, at like adding depth to characters, which is like one-off jokes. Like uh-huh. That. They're so good. Oh. <sighs> 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 I just. I also. I also like the joke where um, Emma's two two coworkers are assimilated, but she like learns their whole like song and dance, so they pour coffee for people. Yeah, like it's it's I mentioned it earlier, but like I love the lengths that this uh show goes to like make Hatchetfield a town that is has like a musical theater based economy, where like. It's all anyone at Paul's office can talk about because he's mm-hmm. like, I want to get tickets. And then you cut to this coffee shop where it's like, yeah, we're a, a a musical coffee shop because all the theater kids work here. So we'll sing for a tip. Like one of the coworkers is on vocal rest. Like it's like, oh, everyone is involved in musical theater somehow. Uh, later, they uh, Sam, the cop character, <laughs> comes on and someone says, hey, I got you tickets to Mama Mia tonight, his girlfriend. Uh, and he's like, great. I love musical theater. I never miss a show at the Starlight Theater. And if anyone thinks that makes so me funny. less of a man, they can talk to my gun. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a it's good delivery. Also, it's so good. And also, like, the, the coffee song is another really good example of, like, you you can tell like that all of the music is diegetic because you could like tell which characters are in the hive mind and which are just kind of like going with it. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> because there's a part where the the two coworkers like start dancing and Emma's like, you added like a whole other ace. Yeah, like. <laughs> when did you have time to learn all this? <laughs> this show's real good y'all should check it out if you now that we've ruined everything y'all should check it out (laughs) it's true black black friday i didn't like as much but i i want to watch it again because i've heard 
from people that have watched it more than once that it has grown on them. I want. I I do want to check it out again. I've fallen down a rabbit hole of watching other Star Kids shows. Oh, Andrew, you should watch Spies Are Forever. It's not Star Kid, but it has a lot of Star. Kid I I in saw it. you tweeting about it today. It's on my list. It's probably gonna be it the next thing rules. that I watch. It looks really good, and I like the actors that are involved in it. So I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. Um. I- it's by like Joey Richter was involved in writing it and it's by like him and one of the other star kid people and actually yeah it's by like three it's by three people who are involved with star kid Hell yeah. it's just like a different project <laughs> yeah i'm i'm checking that one out um i rewatched annie today uh to see if that one grew on me in the time since i last saw it and i don't think it really has um mm. it's fine one of these days i'm gonna go back and rewatch what used to be my favorite one which was uh me and my dick have you seen that <laughs> I actually haven't. It's, I haven't watched some of them. It's a it's a musical where um half the characters are the other characters like anthropomorphized genitalia. It's about a character named Joey Richter and his dick Dick, who are like attached at all times with a um like a bungee cord. Um, oh my god! But then like uh, it's kind of like I don't know a heightened like teenage love story, coming of age sexuality thing. It's very funny from what I remember watching it like 10 years ago i need to go back and rewatch it who knows how well it holds up but i do want to check it out at one point (laughs) at one point like it starts off and you're like okay it's just kind of a teen sex comedy thing but then dick leaves uh because joey richter pisses it off Uh, that 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 sounds weird when you're putting it that way they get into an argument and then dick just leaves and so he's like oh no i'm running around i need to go find my dick it's a it's dumb and funny uh i i want to check it out and see if it still holds up to me because it used to be so i used to like it more than i like the harry potter one but we'll see how well it holds up <laughs> i like weird concept shit yeah um spies are forever is good um that production team did one that's uh like a scooby-doo musical as well oh really um and there's also Edgar Allan poe's murder mystery dinner party which is not a musical but a bunch of Star Kid people were involved with it, and Joey Richter. So the premise is that uh, Edgar Allan Poe invites a bunch of other authors to his house for like a fake murder mystery dinner party, but someone actually starts murdering the authors, <laughs> and uh, and Joey Richter is in it, and he plays Ernest Hemingway, and it's very good. Hell yeah! <laughs> it's like it's extremely like English major humor i'm in for it i didn't get that cognate and creative writing for nothing (laughs) they did a bunch of like bonus videos of like edgar Allan poe trying to invite other writers who didn't show up and there's something (laughs) every fucking time which is like it's just him and uh ralph waldo emerson sending letters back and forth every time it comes to Ralph Waldo Emerson, it's him, like, painting trees in a field. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, Edgar Allan Poe, why don't you invite me to your dinner party? <laughs> and it, like, cuts back to Edgar Allan Poe, his, like, desk covered in skulls, like, furiously writing with a cool pen that's like, Waldo, I do not like you. I do not like your trees. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> 
watch Star Kid musicals. I think it's the takeaway. Yeah, here. basically, there's uh there's one that they do called the Trail to Oregon, uh, which is a musical about Oregon Trail, where uh, every show they um randomly generated character names for them, and at the end they would randomly determine who got dysentery and died. It's great. It's real good. Whole show, the whole things. That that show actually it's very funny because there's four main characters and then Joey Richter who plays literally everyone else in the play, uh, including some like <laughs> incredibly surprisingly quick changes between scenes. God. Also, I don't know if we said, but Black Friday is about uh, a possessed uh, doll. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's uh, a- what if what if Tickle Me Elmo was actually Cthulhu. Yeah, and like possess people to want it and to kill each other over wanting it. Yeah, it's it's a wild ride. I need to. I'd like to watch it again to see if it grows on me. I was not enthralled with it the first time, but that was. I think part of it was not realizing the semi sequel nature of it, and mm-hmm. just like the tone is very different for that one from their other shows. So I don't want to check it out again. See if I appreciate it more. Yeah, it's it's a weird one, and it's definitely more like straight horror than like parody semi goofy horror yeah a lot less slapstick and i wasn't really like i wasn't expecting it and i was wait like yeah i spent a lot of scenes waiting for like the comedy shoe to drop you know like where do you like yeah pay this off with a joke and it never really seemed to happen yeah it's it definitely feels a lot bleaker yeah than guy who did like musicals even though it kind of is less apocalyptic, I would say. Well, well, yeah. Y- you saw how and that one ended. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird because the stakes are supposed to be higher, but they, it doesn't feel like. Yeah, it. and I I don't. There's a B plot to it that I think is not great. And feels like it's only there to... I, I want to spoil this one less because it hasn't been out for two years. But there's a B-plot to that one that feels less important overall to the plot. And kind of only seems to serve to bring in a cameo appearance from John Magnamara. And facilitate yes. him being in the show. Which I'm happy for that character to show up in things, but it feels very out of place. It also yeah, seems like they're going for a Stranger Things kind of deal that just doesn't really work. Yeah, and like, I don't know, I, I, I didn't like it as much because I felt like they were going for cosmic horror on a bigger scale, but it kind of keeps you from getting to know the characters as well as you do in Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals, and like, they don't have a lot of those like one-off jokes that build the characters up. Yeah. And so it like, it, it becomes kind of like oh there are so many characters in this musical and like i barely care about any of them because i don't know anything about most of them yeah there were a lot of things that happened kind of quickly that i was like oh i guess there's one thing i'm thinking of in particular where like two characters seem to like change sides at the drop of a hat in a way that was very jarring um considering how their last scene ended up so yeah i I don't know. Overall, uh, I like the guy who didn't like musicals more than I liked Black Friday, but I will give Black Friday another shot, and, like, not liking that one means that it's only, like, a 7 out of 10. You know what I mean? Like... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's all my notes on, uh, guy who didn't like musicals. 
That's it for me too. Uh, Andrew, where can people find you on social media? Since I forgot to uh, introduce you at the beginning of this episode as anyone other than Andrew barged into my, <laughs> into my spooky library. Yeah, the rude man that. Talk about this <laughs> Hi, I'm Andrew. I'm the rude man that barged into Marn's library and said, "How's your internet?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know you. You just like out the woods. <laughs> if people like me, you can find me. Um, I'm on Twitter at AC Sherman Writes. Uh, you can also find me on the hit podcast, The Argonauts Podcast, <laughs> which I do with a different Marn, apparently. Um, <laughs> where we go in and break down uh, strange internet folklore called alternate reality games. Uh, if you've listened to this show and know Marn, you probably have listened to us, but who could say? Maybe you haven't. But yeah, those are... I think that's the basic places you can find me. I'm trying to set up a website, acsherman.net. Uh, that'll just be like a collected thing of where I do because I'm a gu- I've been a guest on a lot of different shows, so I want to have like a centralized hub uh, and try to get away from Twitter as a primary promotional tool of myself. Who knows? That's not live yet, but it will be soon. So depending on when this comes out, I don't know. Check your browser. Hell yeah! Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Survivors. And you can find this podcast on Twitter at Dead Letter Pod. And this has been another meeting of the Dead Letter Society, albeit a very strange one. Very strange one. (laughs) Thank you for indulging me. Do you want to talk about meddling kids while we're here? Do? Meddling kids. It's fine. It's like Scooby Doo, but what if it was a little spookier? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) It's aggressively medium. Check it out. You like Scooby-Doo? You'll probably think it's alright. You ambivalent toward Scooby-Doo? You'll probably be ambivalent toward it. (laughs) Guess where I felt. of a podcast of all time. This is Champs in the Making. Where we have made a bracket of every Pokemon that has ever existed and are putting them up in battles head-to-head. One-on-ones to scientifically find out the best Pokemon. Every two weeks, we gather up an assortment of hosts from the Orange Groves and cut a bloody path through the Pokedex. Come listen to me defend the rights of crustacean-based Pokemon. Olga is a perfect little baby, and I will not stand for anything else. Deciduize the best fucking Pokemon because he looks like Robin Hood. Shout some about why your favorite Pokemon is the best. Put them forward and insult Ambipom every two weeks, only on the Orange Groves. Uh, Puchina is the best, and my friends already knocked Mightyena out, which I'm sad about. So now we're truly just living on the edge.